Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. We are in the final week of our series through the book of James. I hope that has encouraged you to hear different voices as we have walked through the different punchy, go for the jugular moments that James presents all the way through the book. And I hope that it's been a practical opportunity for you as well to take your faith from a place of just something we think about or something we contemplate on to something that's practical and real and that's shaping the way that we move in our lives. We've had some great weeks over the course of this series. And uh, last Sunday, we were able to be together at... Uh, Jericho Ridge community and we're really looking forward to doing that again this summer So we'll be talking about that a little bit later We're gonna be letting you know some of those details at the end of the service So keep that in mind and make sure that you got that communion uh, ready to go Which we'll be coming back to now Like I said, we are in the last week of this series as this book has been focusing on kind of three things, words, works, and wealth. And and as we kind of wrap it up, I think there's a concept that James provides us that ties it all together and and brings it to this beautiful conclusion that we can apply in our everyday lives. Um, With with James, there's this continued call to to follow Jesus in a way that's meaningful, intentional, and, and purposeful. And in particular, what we're going to read together out of James chapter 5 is a call to patience, a call to respond in a manner that is reflective of Christ despite the inequalities and injustices of the world that we might be experiencing. So James chapter 5, remember last time we talked about wealth and we talked about the inequalities that were taking place between the different people groups, in particular Christians and some of the rich uh, non-believers and the injustices that were taking place. And he's calling them to understand that wealth is not the solution but there's, it doesn't just end there, but he leads us to this conversation about patience as well. So we're going to read together out of James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. James chapter 5, 7 to 11. I hope that you've got your Bibles at home, and you can follow along. I'll be reading out of the NIV. And it says this. It says, Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Full of compassion and mercy. I feel like every time that we read a passage out of the book of James, kind of just leaves me feeling a little heavy. So there's a lot of big things that are talked about. And, And in particular, this passage is referred to as being patient in suffering. And for for myself at least, least, when I hear this passage, I hear this title, suffering seems to stand out. I don't want to be thinking about suffering, about the suffering to come or maybe the suffering that that took place. And I kind of lose perspective of the actual word that comes before that, and that is to be patient. To be patient in suffering. Because I have discovered for myself, at least, I'm not going to speak for everyone, 
But that patience is not normal. Nor is patience a pursued response in our, in our culture. It almost seems as if all of the creativity, all of the innovation in all of humanity is hyper-focused to actually eradicate waiting. And we are shaped to believe that this is simply the way. Recently, I, I, I had my birthday, turned 32, and I was blessed with this amazing gift, uh, a PlayStation 5. I'm a kid at heart, no shame. I, I'm really enjoying it. It's been great. One of the things I did notice right off the bat, with all their new technology around it, one of the things that they were hanging their hats on that they were so excited about was the simple fact that there was no load time. Nate Ritchie, that one's for you, man. I know that you don't like that load time. So no load time on the PS5, and you're jumping straight into the game, and I love it. I think that's amazing. What, what an amazing use of my time that I no longer have to wait for the game to load. And there's so many examples in our everyday life of how we don't want to be waiting. You go on a road trip with a bunch of kids in the back and they're going to be asking the entire time, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you get there and then they're asking, where are we going next? What's happening next? How do I have more fun? And we might think to ourselves that is just a childlike expression of how we feel in the moment. But in reality, I know for myself that I am impatient in the best of times and in the worst of times I'm asking and probing and trying to push past this space of what it actually means to wait. To, to wait does not almost feel normal because the ironic thing that we see taking place for around us is that we, we in many ways recognize that we have to wait a little, that we should be patient. Patience is a virtue. And we say to ourselves, I need to be more patient, but yet it's ironic that everything that we do is how we can go faster, work smarter, be, be more efficient and convenient, and we're perpetually impatient where we are. Online shopping, fast food, uh, cars, planes, phone calls and phones, movies on demand, Google tells us everything. That there was a time where you had to actually wait to discover something. Now I need to pull up my phone, Google it, and Google tells me all I need to know. We have everything at our fingertips, and everything has gotten faster, easier, more convenient, and yet statistics around the world around mental health, stress, poverty, and physical health are all trending in a bad direction. The manner in which we believe we're going to make the world a better place through our efficiency, through our, through our technology of convenience, is not producing a lifestyle that is actually good for our soul. Now, don't get me wrong. I love technology. I love productivity. I love the ability to have a good app or something that's going to make my life feel way more efficient. I am fully on board with that. But, but if wealth isn't the solution, and if productivity and, and speed is not the solution, then what do we do? Because that seems to be the presentation of the world of how we have a fulfilled and meaningful life. That that's where you're going to feel more, most purposeful. Well, in this passage, and all throughout the biblical story, there is a call from God to wait. To be patient Running, com running completely counter to, to the current age that we find ourselves in. Everything that is built for ease and speed and comfort is not in line exactly with what God is calling us to, to wait, because it hasn't been good for our soul. So hear me this morning. Baseline, foundation of where we're going from. 
God values patience. And not simply out of it being a practice, but with a very specific purpose. I think too often when it comes to faith and religion, we operate under this pretense of simply doing something because God says so, or we think that that's the way that that it works in our relationship with God, when in reality, when God invites us into something, when he gives us a call to obedience, it's not simply because he said so, but because he knows the ways in which we are going to experience the fullness of life in which we have been created to see and be and be in to flourish in all the ways that has been presented before us. So when God values patience and, and says to be patient, he's not just saying it because he said so, but because there is a purpose that leads us into our potential, into a possibility that is beyond what we can even see in the here and now. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson, and it says this. It says, when it comes to doing something about what is wrong in the world, Jesus is best known for his fondness for the minute, the invisible, the quiet, the slow. Yeast, salt, seeds, light. Biblical patience is is defined as this. It is either forbearance or endurance. In the former sense, it is the quality of self-restraint or of not giving way to anger, even in the face of provocation. in a a moment of injustice, but it's also attributed to both God and man and is closely related to mercy and compassion. So often I think we actually see a world in which patience is lacking when mercy and compassion seem to be the secondhand choice because to be patient is actually to be present and to stand with people in the midst of great suffering and struggle. So my question for you this morning, at home, wherever you are, everyone's got different experiences, different backgrounds, but when do you find yourself most impatient? And how does it actually cause you to respond? Now, you don't need just simply to say, I'm most impatient when I'm hungry. Everyone gets a little hangry. I think that's like a universal truth. But when do you find yourself most impatient? When we boil it down to actually the, the, the inner workings of who we are as followers of Jesus, or just someone who is a, as a person on the face of this earth, What makes you feel most impatient? Number one, I think for myself that it is when I believe that my my way is the best way. Have you ever been in a situation where you see everyone doing things around you and you just know to yourself, man, I know the best way to get this done. I know how to do this so that it is productive or efficient, the things that we were talking about. And my impatience begins to grow because I believe that my way is the best way. But then on the flip side of things, I think to myself that uh, that mindset of, Believing that my way is the best way is actually something that happens in my relationship with God. When I spend time with God, when I'm actually building my relationship with him, so often I say to myself, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to listen to you, when in reality I'm actually spending more time trying to create the imaginations and the desires and the possibilities that I believe are going to be best for my life. Patience can be actually about preparation and learning to listen. Second thing that we, I think we find ourselves to be most impatient about is when we feel a little discontent. We're not where we want to be, and our feelings really are a poor master. The, the third thing that I notice for myself is when I have a short-sighted 
uh, perspective, short-sighted living, because my vision is narrow that I began, begin to be a little bit more impatient, and then weariness of a season. And I think all of us have experienced weariness in this past season, when it's been in the middle of this pandemic, and we're not really sure of how things are going to proceed, or what are the different elements that are going to be rolled out by the government authority. We get a little bit of weariness within us, and when we get weary, we get impatient. And it starts to pull us out of the ways in which God is leading us and he's shaping us. So James, he doesn't, he doesn't just say to be patient in most things. I, I, I love, I, I've really grown to like James a little bit more through this series. I'm like, I, I just need more people that tell me like it is. James, he doesn't say just to be patient in most things or patience in your, in your local drive-through or, or patient in your current season. James, like I said, he goes for the jugular and he says to be patient in your suffering. And if we are called to be patient in our suffering, how much more so are we called to be patient in our, in our discontent, in our frustration, in our inconvenience, in our discomfort? Suffering kind of trumps them all, and he's just saying to be patient in the reality of life. Like we talked about, James is appealing to Christians whom we talked about last week that are on the poor side of the wealth inequality that is taking place within the readers of that community. He knows what they're experiencing, and, and it's far more than an inconvenience, actually, but it is clear that his response to them is not to actually calling is to patience, not revolution. If he's calling them to patience, how much more are we called to patience in our current circumstances? And what James does after that original prompt, prompt, patience in suffering, is he kind of presents what patience is through a series of, of metaphors and statements so that, so that we know that it's not an unremitting paint, pain that we are being invited into with no end in sight, but rather this is an invitation to place our trust in the coming of a Lord who's going to bring justice in healing, in wholeness, and in making that which is wrong in the world right. So we're going to look at verse 7 real quick. Verse 7, he talks about this example of a farmer. And James provides this everyday example of this sort of patience he is calling for. And he says, think about the farmers. For, and for people in James's day, farming was woven into the very fabric of the community. And if you're, you weren't a farmer yourself, you certainly knew people in your life who were. It wasn't like a specialist at the time. It was how most people actually lived. And James is therefore, he's appealing to some, uh, some of all the readers mindset and thinking and relationships and he points to them how a farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains and so at that time rains in that part of the world came at two points of the year the early rains in October or October or November after the crop was sown uh, and then another rainy period in March and April between those times the farmer might need to regularly tend the ground and keep the weeds at bay, but he could actually do nothing at all to accelerate the process of bringing the crops to harvest. The farmer had to wait. He knew that the rain would come, and with it, the harvest, it would happen, but it had not happened yet. He 
just needed to exercise patience and to wait with confidence. And I think in that first portion, he's inviting us to wait expectantly, to wait with confidence. And this is not just a convenient illustration. The crop itself that he's talking about, what the people knew, was valuable to the farmer. It would have been, by and large, the food his family actually depended on for survival. The process of patiently waiting for the rain was part of his survival. So what James is saying, that patiently waiting in your suffering is part of your survival as a follower of Jesus in this world, to place our trust in the God who was and the God who is, that he did it once and he'll do it again, and in the in-between, tend to the land, deal with the weeds, and be patient in the suffering, but be patient in a way that is waiting expectantly. And there is no other way to live. It it connects even with the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 and 14, where it says, So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, we've heard this kind of language, but he ties it in with this, Then I will send rain on your land in its season both autumn and spring rain, so that you might gather in your corn, your new wine, and olive oil. It's a promise from God that in the midst of our patient suffering, there is rain that is coming. Seasons of patience are pathways to seasons of produce, and this is a call to wait expectantly. This regular rains example as an expression of God's faithfulness, and just as he has responded and repeatedly shown his faithfulness in sending rain at this time, so too will he show faithfulness in bringing justice at the right time. The second thing, in verse chapter, uh, verse 8, he talks a little bit about standing firm. I have, this is not a common sport in uh, North America, but like every, uh, every good YouTube viewer, I have gone down a rabbit hole or two of my own. And recently, I came across a video about sumo wrestlers. And then I started watching more videos about sumo wrestlers and about the ways in which they were actually training and, 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 and dealing with their diets and, and preparing themselves and the, all the different things that went into it to make sure that they were prepared. But if you, if you don't know, but the idea of actually sumo wrestling is there is a, a ring around where two combatants are trying to kind of force the other out. But the strategy that is undertaken by most of the high-end sumo wrestlers has less to do with forcing someone out as much as staying within by standing firm, that they dig in their heels, they hold their ground, and they wait patiently for the other to, to almost burn themselves out. And they, they hold their ground, and they stand firm. And as with the world of sumo, so is, I think, is with the, the Christian life, where we need to have a, an approach, an opinion that stands firm with the great determination. Instead of being always a people that's rushing to push things forward, that's rushing to get things out, how much more are we going to stand patiently and stand firm with great determination to be who God has called us to be? It's almost it's the, it's the opposite of, of laziness, to stand firm. It is not so easy as it sometimes seems. Have your faith be more than something for the future and have it be the ground for your footing to get a grip on. The, the next verse, in verse 9, it talks about the sacrifice of self. And I find that I'm least myself when I'm acting purely out of instinct, instinct or of feeling and, and that I have an issue with being present. And we mentioned it earlier that patience is 
patience is learning how to be present. Having a conversation with someone where it is more than just about the, the things that are going in my, on in my life that I want to rush to my conversation, rush to my thoughts, but being present to listen and being available for the other. And in those moments of being present, the thing that we have to often do is learn to sacrifice ourself. In, in C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, this is, a, this is a great quote out, out of it. And just to provide a little bit of context, there is uh, a character by the name of Wormwood, and there is a conversation happening between two demons, and they're trying to compel a follower of Jesus to no longer be so, to, to, to move past it, to not, to not have that be part of their life any longer. And so they're talking about what are the ways in which that happens. So C.S. Lewis, he writes this. And he's talking about God when he says, when, when God talks of their losing themselves, God means only abandoning the clamor of self-will. And once they've done that, he really gives them back all of their personality and boasts, and I'm afraid sincerely, that when then they are wholly his, they will be more themselves than ever. And that is the invitation of the sacrifice of self, to be more ourselves than ever when we give ourselves wholly to who God has called us to be, to, 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 to our Savior that wants to be with us in our story. The sacrifice of self is part of our patience in suffering. Je uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 10, 39, to lose your life is to find it. You're going to be most yourself when all of yourself is given to the one who knows you best. And finally, uh, in verse 11, it brings us to the idea of true perseverance. And we talked about this in week one. To count it all joy, that it builds perseverance, and that we are to stand steadfast. We talked about that word. And that to be steadfast is to actually lack nothing. To be steadfast is to lack nothing. And if patience, if steadfastness is anything, it is patience on steroids. It, it is to be patience to, to the point where you are going to stand in the midst of your suffering. So patience and suffering is tied in with being steadfast. And this, this letter as a whole kind of brings it full circle. This patience and suffering, this persevering faith in God to stand steadfast in the struggle. And we see this in the final, final chapter. It brings us full circle to count it all joy, to persevere, to stand steadfast. Because what is steadfastness if not this patience? Let's, let's read what's said in James 1 one more time. It says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. To be patient is to be steadfast, and to be steadfast is to lack nothing, and to lack nothing is to consider it all pure joy. And when I consider it all pure joy, I get a little bit more perseverance. And when I have perseverance within me, my patience grows. And when my patience grows, I start to stand steadfast. And when I'm steadfast, I lack nothing nothing and then I'm complete in my joy and my joy creates perseverance and patience and steadfast and joy and the cycle goes on and on and City Collective my heart for you wherever you are at right now it's so awful we hold ourselves to this standard as if I need to have everything 100% right away but if you feel today as if you are lacking patience no maybe it is just learning to be st steadfast even just for a moment 
Because to be steadfast could produce a little bit of joy. And to be producing a little bit of joy is to produce perseverance. And perseverance to patience. And patience to steadfast. And suddenly the cycle that we have placed ourselves on is the cycle of the Holy Spirit working within us. That I have invited just a little bit, just enough for that working to begin. And the strength that I was lacking, the joy that I was lacking is actually found in the person of Jesus. Is why the Bible talks about it. The joy of the Lord is my strength, but I need to learn to, to wait upon the Lord. But when I wait upon the Lord, I find the joy of the Lord, and then I have the strength of the Lord to persevere in the midst of my struggle. This isn't just to be patient in the midst of suffering, to survive in the midst of my own strength, but to discover who God is in a way that transforms me from the inside out. That is the purpose of our patience to discover who God is in a way that we have never seen before. And sometimes in the midst of our suffering, it is never going to be more clear than in that moment. We're called to wait upon the Lord, not produce to make him come quicker. So City Collective, if you're wanting to grow in your patience, perhaps it's recognizing the cycle that we're invited to discover. To consider it all pure joy, to gain some perspective and gratitude, to begin to persevere, to be patient in our suffering, to stand steadfast, to lack nothing, and if I lack nothing, to find joy, and then my patience in suffering produces a perspective that is of a savior in the midst of my struggle. And a little bit of one starts feeding into another. So my invitation to you this morning, just give them a little of one. Maybe it's a little bit of patience today. Maybe you're waiting on God to do something in your life, and you just say to him in this moment, God, I trust you. The rains that were are going to be the rains that come. God, I will stand firm. I'm not going to try and rush out of the circle, but I'm going to hold true and dig my feet into the faith that you have placed within me. And I'm going to persevere, not by my strength, but by the strength that you've given me. I'm going to be waiting upon the Lord, and the joy of the Lord will be my strength in the midst of my struggle. Just a, just a moment, just an invitation, just a, just a brief call of reminding ourselves of who God is. Perhaps that's the beginning that we need today. I know that we're impatient. I know we want something more. I feel it with you. But when we wait on the Lord, that's when the true purpose of our potential comes to the forefront, and we truly begin to follow Jesus in a way that transforms our lives and the lives of those around us. Let's pray as we wrap up our time together. So Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that in the midst of our struggle, the invitation is not to run and hide. It's not to, to cower away, but to stand firm, to be patient in our suffering, knowing that God of the past season, the God who brought the rain when we needed it once is the same God that's going to do it again. And we can stand firm and stand strong and believe and hope that there's something incredible on the other side. Give us patience, oh God. And where we feel where we are falling short, meet us where we are. For those who are watching this morning and just not feeling a sense of joy. We just pray that your joy would be in their, in their home. That they're feeling 
weary, I just pray that your rest would be in their home. Where they're feeling impatient, that your perseverance would enter their space. When they're feeling unsettled, that your peace would find a way into their, their current circumstances. Thank you that just, just even a glimpse of you, just a touch of you, just a little moment is more than enough. So we invite you into this space. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.